Salutations and greetings, all you nasty pasty listeners. Yes, it's a surprise extra episode for you on this autumnal season. It's me, the much maligned Andy Roberts, here with another serving of not sausage roll or meat and potato pies, but some tasty horror films with a side plate of nastiness. After our Halloween-related episode just a week ago, I felt compelled to include the 1981 sequel to John Carpenter's classic, Halloween 2 by Rick Rosenthal. Now, when I was younger, I had a VHS that was a double feature with both of those films on, so I felt that Halloween 1 and 2 are very intertwined, especially since the sequel is actually a direct continuation on the same night. Having been released in 1981, the sequel also came after the slew of slashes that burst forth from Friday the 13th, and as a result, it does have a slightly different vibe from the 1978 original. So anyway, let's begin with the much more splattery Halloween 2.
Shocked at finding Michael Myers missing after shooting him six times, Dr. Sam Loomis searches the streets while an injured Michael steals a kitchen knife from an old couple and butchers a teenager living next door. In a panic, Loomis chases after a teenager who resembles Michael, only for a police car to run the boy down accidentally, upon which Loomis realises his mistake. Sheriff Brackett goes home distraught after learning of his daughter Annie's demise at the hands of Myers, leaving Deputy Hunt to aid Loomis. Laurie has since been transferred to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, which a recovered Michael hears about on the radio and heads straight there. Upon arrival, he disables the phones, slashes the tyres and fuel lines of all the cars, and forces his way into the building, slamming a claw hammer into the head of Mr Garrett, the security guard. Laurie learns from Jimmy, a paramedic with a crush on her, that it is in fact Michael Myers who's been pursuing her, while Mrs Alves, the head nurse, soon discovers the phone problem when she tries to call Laurie's parents. Nurse Karen and paramedic Bud bunk off work to make love in the hydrotherapy pool, only for Michael to increase the temperature and strangle Bud when he investigates. Going near the pool, Michael tricks Karen into thinking that he's Bud before dunking her head into the now extremely hot water, scalding her face off. When Laurie appears to have a bad reaction to the medication, Nurse Janet tries to find the resident Dr. Mixter, only to discover his corpse with a syringe jammed into his eye. Myers lurks behind her, grabbing her and injecting her in the temple with air, killing her instantly. Michael then enters Laurie's room and stabs the bed with a scalpel, only to find that they're merely pillows, Laurie having wandered out just a few moments prior to hide in a different room. Nurse Jill and Jimmy search for Laurie when Jimmy comes across the body of Mrs Alves, completely drained of blood through a drip. He slips on the extensive blood pool and knocks himself unconscious, and elsewhere Loomis meets with Nurse Chambers, who has been sent by the Governor of Smith's Grove to remove Loomis from the scene of chaos in Haddonfield, with a field marshal to force him to comply. In the car, Chambers discloses a secret file that had only come to light that evening. Laurie Strode is in fact Michael Myers' youngest sister, who was adopted after their parents died in an accident subsequent to Judith's death. Now realising his true objective, Loomis forces the marshal to return to Haddonfield and head for the hospital. After noticing the state of the cars, Jill returns to the hospital to find Laurie, and is suddenly stabbed in the back by Michael upon finding her. Barely able to run, Laurie does manage to evade Michael, and hides in the parking lot until a visibly dazed Jimmy gets inside and tries to start the car, only to seemingly die from a concussion and fall on the horn, alerting anyone nearby. Loomis, Chambers and the Marshal arrive just as Michael starts pursuing Laurie, with Loomis shooting Myers another five times who falls to the floor. Chambers runs out to get reinforcements, just as Michael revives and slits the throat of the Marshal and turns on Laurie and Loomis, who flee into an operating room. Loomis is stabbed, causing Laurie to shoot Michael in the eyes, blinding him. With him now incapacitated, the pair begin to release oxygen gas into the room, with Loomis imploring Laurie to escape. She does so, and Loomis ignites the gas with a lighter, causing the building to erupt into flames. Laurie nervously peeks towards the burning corridor to see Myers emerge from the fire, smothered in flames until he eventually collapses down. Deputy Hunt and his officers comb the scene in the morning, while Laurie is transferred to a different hospital in an ambulance. There was someone screaming next door. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Elrod. His wife's always picking on him. He probably got angry and decided to start beating her. Oh, 
They are gone. My dad had to take my Aunt Ruby to Hardin County, and my mother decided to go along. Didn't you hear? Hear about what? Some girl got killed in Haddonfield. It's on the radio. Hold on. And the police have cordoned off the entire area. To repeat, three teenagers have been found murdered in a house in the northwest section of Haddonfield. The names of the teenagers have not been released. I can't believe it. I know. Where did it happen? Down on Orange Grove. That's right down the street. I know. Sally, I can hear the sirens coming. They said the guy got away. Do they know who it was? No. Oh, God. Alice. Alice. Who is it? Who is it? Gary Hunt of the Haddonfield Police Department says he believes the suspect will be apprehended within a matter of hours. Neighbors say they heard screams during the early evening, but attributed the noise to the usual Halloween... After the release of Halloween in 1978, both John Carpenter and Deborah Hill considered the film a standalone film and had no desire to make a sequel to it. However, the studio were interested in a sequel and they offered Carpenter a good deal of money to write the script. Because of his modest compensation for the first film and the idea of making more money from the project that he started, Carpenter agreed to write the script for the sequel and he reportedly had difficulty forming the story but forged ahead despite his heart not truly being in it, with himself stating that he consumed a six-pack of beer almost every day to get through it. He was, however, adamant that the sequel would take place immediately after the events of the first film, despite Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the original choice for director, and the production designer of the first instalment, not actually liking the idea. The original location, however, was meant to be a high-rise apartment building, before it was changed to the now-iconic Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Also in the original script was a scene of Michael murdering the blonde reporter, who's featured earlier in the film, by jumping out of her trunk and killing her in order to steal the car. And also the death sequences were written in such a way as to be much more graphic than the previous film. Tommy Lee Wallace was unhappy with this less subtle sense of direction, and he quit the director's chair, paving the way for first-time director Rick Rosenthal. Carpenter did, however, honour his original plan of an anthology series with Halloween by writing the script specifically to end the Michael Myers and the Haddonfield storyline. There was talk in early 1981 of shooting the film in 3D, but it was eventually determined that it would be too difficult since the film was set at night time and it also would have been expensive to boot. Shooting began that year, with the streets of Haddonfield shot on the same location as Carpenter's original, Orange Grove, just north of Sunset Boulevard in California. The Doyle house, though, had changed considerably since 1978, noticeable when Michael Myers is shot as the balcony has been altered since. While the main bulk of the hospital scenes were shot at Morningside Hospital in Los Angeles, some of the interior shots were also filmed at Pasadena Community Hospital. Another problem with the film being shot several years after the original was that Jamie Lee Curtis had a different hairstyle, despite the fact that the film was supposed to be set on the same night as the original. This was covered up with the help of a wig to match Laurie Strode's hair. Michael's mask also looked very different as the paint had faded and it looked a little crumpled due to being carried in Nick Castle's back pocket and being stored in Deborah Hill's home. 
After filming had wrapped, Dick Warlock, who was the actor playing Myers, was allowed to keep the mask, scalpel, knife and the outfit, which is why Michael Myers looks so different when he was brought back for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. The actors performed all their own stunts, including Laurie, who had to fall out of a car, Jimmy, who slipped on the blood pool, and Loomis, who fell into a medical table after being stabbed. And the therapy pu- the therapy the hydrotherapy pool scene was difficult to shoot, mostly because the water in the pool was freezing, and the actors Pamela Susan Shoup and Leah Rossi were very reluctant to perform the scene. Rossi was eventually able to comfort Shoup enough to convince her to do the scene, though she eventually got an ear infection from shooting her death due to the water being quite dirty. When Michael is shot in the eyes by Laurie, the effect of the bleeding eyes was achieved with a balloon of fake blood behind the mask, which burst when Dick Warlock puts his hand on his face. And when Janet is stabbed in the temple with a syringe, actress Anna Alicia hit her desk when she fell down and she cut open the skin near her eyes, leading to 12 stitches. The scene in the cafeteria was shot after her death scene, so a specific camera angle, as well as covering up the stitches with makeup, was done to cover up the, uh, cover up the injury. The ending sequence was shot on a soundstage, and the explosion was much bigger than the crew expected, which is why Jamie Lee Curtis falls to the ground from the explosion in the final film. While the next film in the franchise, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, follows a different story in accordance with Carpenter's anthology vision, there are some small elements in Halloween 2 that hint at this generalised horror about Halloween traditions. The word Samhain is drawn on the chalkboard by Michael, which refers to an ancient Irish holiday on October 31st that celebrates the darker half of the year arriving. Samhain is also mentioned in Halloween 3 as a reason that the antagonist Connell Cochran is doing the things that he's doing. There's also a scene in which a child is in Haddonfield Hospital suffering from biting into a razor blade after eating candy, and this is based on the urban legend of nefarious candy being passed to children during Halloween. This theme is much stronger in Halloween 3, with the main threat actually being the mass murder of children via some supernaturally booby-trapped masks. Rosenthal attempted to be faithful to Carpenter's original film, with an almost identical opening credit sequence, similar jump scares, as well as the POV shots and the breathing of Michael Myers being present. The tagline for the poster emulated the original too, with More of the Night He Came Home featured. The only element seemingly missing from this version is having Michael menacingly posed in the background of shots when he's stalking, since in this version he has much more noticeable screen time. The murder sequences were also shot with attention to the original, with hardly any gore involved, but it was John Carpenter himself who decided that this version of the film was too restrained by the standards of 1981, and he commissioned the filming of extra scenes of gore which irked Rosenthal. Dick Warlock replaced Nick Castle as the shape in this instalment, one mainly as De Warlock had found the Michael Myers mask prior to filming, and he stood in front of the director without saying a word. Eventually, after he was asked who he was, he removed the mask and asked to play the role. Warlock, though, was quite short, even for Michael Myers' standards, so he's made to look taller by having shoe lifts. Warlock, who also played the officer who crashes into Ben Tramer. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, Nancy Keyes, and Charles Cyphers all reprise their roles from the original, despite most of them not having nearly as much screen time. Curtis appears in about 25 minutes of the finished film, while Cyphers only appears for 10 minutes and disappears completely after the 20-minute mark. Nancy Keyes is restricted to a cameo as Annie's corpse, but she also does play the voice of Alice's friend Sally on the phone. 
And this film was at the tail end of Jamie Lee Curtis's slasher section of roles, as she'd appeared in the Section 3 video Nasty Prom Night, as well as the Canadian slasher Terror Train due to her success in Halloween. And her co-star in Prom Night, Anne-Marie Martin, who played the vicious Wendy, also has an uncredited cameo in Halloween 2 as Nurse Karen's friend that she has to drive home, which eventually makes her late. The kid with the boombox, who inadvertently reveals to Myers where Laurie's being held, was played by Dick Warlock's son, Lance, while Warlock's other son, Billy, plays one of Ben Tramer's concerned friends who asks Deputy Hunt about him. Gloria Gifford and Anna Alicia were both acting class acquaintances of Rosenthal, while Lance Guest was an unknown actor at this point, but he went on to star in The Last Starfighter, which not only co-starred Dan O'Herlihy from Halloween 3, but it was also directed by Nick Castle, who was the original Michael Myers. There's even a very small cameo from Dana Carvey, who would go on to star in the Wayne's World films, as the reporter who's receiving instructions from the blonde female reporter. Most of Carpenter's original score was reused, but just recorded with different instruments. A new addition, however, was the song Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes, which played over both the opening and the closing credits. And notably, this song was reused for the much later direct sequel to Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. The film was unleashed on October 30th of 1981, and while nowhere near as financially or critically successful as the first film, Halloween 2 made $7 million on its opening weekend, and went on to gross roughly $25.5 million in total, beating other major horror releases at the time, such as the Section 3 video nasty Friday the 13th Part 2, The Howling, and Omen 3 The Final Conflict. Unlike a lot of slasher films from 1981, such as Friday Part 2, uh, Happy Birthday to Me, and My Bloody Valentine, Halloween 2 was released pretty much uncut, but that didn't stop the film from being banned in Iceland, Germany, and Norway. Early the next year in 1982, the video nasty film Visiting Hours was released, which featured a very similar plotline of a killer stalking a hospital, a carpenter-esque score, and a skull featured on the main poster. Very similar to the first film, there is an alternative cut known as the TV version, which apart from omitting all the scenes of graphic violence, adds lots of minor dialogue scenes and changes the ending, notably, to include Jimmy's survival. The extra scenes for the TV version of the first Halloween were also filmed during this making of Halloween 2, prompting the crew to put Jamie Lee Curtis in a towel due to the change in her hairstyle. Now, Thorny M.I. released an uncut version on VHS in the UK in 1982, so it's not surprising if Halloween 2 was seized by the authorities. Not only was the film much more graphic than its predecessor, but Thorny M.I. were already in trouble for releasing the video nasty films The Burning and Suspiria. The subsequent re-release in 1990 was censored by the BBFC, with 17 seconds cut from Nurse Karen scalding in the hydrotherapy pool, and this is mostly because her breasts are visible during the murder. Now, these cuts were waived upon resubmission in 2002, and the film has enjoyed uncut status since then. The film did have some other controversies, such as the 2011 Blu-ray release, which came under fire for omitting Mustafa Akkad's name from the print. Now, shortly after the release of the film in the US, the film was actually cited as a potential reason as to why Richard Delma Boyer of California had murdered an elderly couple, despite the more obvious reason that he was under the influence of PCP, alcohol and marijuana. 
His lawyer, however, argued that the film had caused intense hallucinations to his client, and showed footage of the film in court to provide this link. But rightfully so, this excuse was not entertained, and the defendant was found guilty. And that was Halloween 2, and the end of this very little extra episode for you. Now join us very shortly on Tuesday the 7th as we're covering two iconic Giallo films, Dario Argento's Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Mario Bava's influential Blood and Black Lace. Now enjoy the new episode, folks, and I will speak to you all again very, very soon. Sayonara! Sayonara!